What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 49 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat saying, and Pat, in a season where you don't think things could get any crazier, week 11 was just about the craziest it's ever been. What the hell happened this weekend? Like, I mean, that's the easiest way I can, I can look at it. What a bizarre, strange, weird, but fun NFL weekend. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah started on Thursday night, literally all the way through Sunday night. Football. Oh, those poor Falcons. Those poor Falcons. As we record on Monday night, I'm hoping that the crazy extends to the Giants-Bucks game. You and me both, my friend. Because that <laughs> would mean something good happened for the Giants. The three and six Giants. We'll keep our hopes out there. Playoff but, contention, yeah. Giants, please. All right. Well, that's a little I'm kidding. Much, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but hey, you're saying that about the Eagles. You're saying that about the Washington football team. Why not throw the Giants into that sentence? We have a really fun episode today. We're going to... Uh, we're going to talk about some trust issues we may or may not have with some of these teams across the NFL. Yeah, we are, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, looking back at a couple games, a couple game results from this past weekend, talking about the teams that were involved and do we trust them or not as we head towards, you know, a playoff race and maybe further than that. Yeah. Every week the playoff race gets just, just gets murkier and murkier. I was going to say <laughs> most people will be like, Oh, it gets clearer as the season goes on. I don't think it has, <laughs> you know, what's crazy too. People always talk about baseball playoffs as just being a total crapshoot. Like people yep. put their predictions in and it just doesn't matter because team gets hot, teams get hot and players get hot and you just don't know what's happening. It seems like in football, especially, you know, the good teams and you know, the bad teams and you have quote unquote bye weeks against teams because they're just that bad this year. If it has taught me anything is that you cannot buy wins you cannot look at the schedule and think oh Mm -hmm. great i'm playing the jets that means it's a win i'm playing the jaguars that means it's a win multiple teams multiple high caliber teams this year has proved that that cannot be said for every single week no you're right uh, except the lions they're so (laughs) (laughs) they they were close i still feel that good karma about dan campbell's lions i still feel it uh, I love that you still feel it because I have lost hope very quickly. Though oh, they, no. they are about to play possibly one of not not possibly one of the worst Thanksgiving Day games we have ever been subjected to in Lions Bears uh, yes. coming up this Thursday. That is <sighs> ever been subjected to. Wow, it's harsh. It's a bad one. The poor Lions. Yeah. yeah. Listen to our Taylor Swift episode. We both decided to talk about Jared Goff, and he didn't even play this week. No, and we're he didn't. still talking about how bad they are. I'm sorry. I feel like I came out a little hot on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> Some like frustration, like the Giants have already lost and they haven't. So I don't. We know love why. that, Pat. Yeah. No, I love the energy. All right, well, you you set it up perfectly, and that's exactly what we're gonna do. We're gonna go not game by game, talking about every single game, but we're gonna focus on specific matchups from Week 11. And we're going to talk about whether we trust these teams and we'll keep the standings kind of on the back burner Mm -hmm. too. I think we should start Thursday night because Pat, there has been a lot of buzz about a guy that you will not give credit to. Oh, times have changed. Have they please take it away and tell us how you have jumped ship onto the Mac Jones train. I have, I truly believed going into this year that this was going to be a better year for the Patriots, but I did not view them as a, as a playoff team. I thought the bills would pretty handily win the AFC East. I thought we were going to see the dolphins be a lot better. And I just, I didn't trust, you know, the amount 
of kind of hype that was going into a Patriots team that I thought was definitely improved, but I didn't know by how much they would be improved. We're now sitting here, you know, with 11 games played and yes, they have one less game than the bills, but they've scored more points on offense than the Buffalo bills, which I, I think is kind of crazy when you think about it. Also five and zero record on the road. I think Mac Jones, while still, I don't look at him as spectacular. He has not needed to be spectacular and what he does, and that completion percentage is really high. He makes the right throws. He does have the ability to throw down the ball down the field. This is not Alex Smith. This is just, I think he's just not asked to throw the ball down the field a ton, though he has shown he has the ability to. I'm really impressed with New England, and they are much better than I thought they were going to be this year. Did you also just subtly roast Alex Smith, just completely unprecedented? That'll be an ongoing joke for uh, my Villanova radio show friends, where I would <laughs> weekly talk about how much I did not value Alex Smith at the quarterback wow. position. Wow, like not even prompted, just a straight roast of Alex Smith. As wow. I said, okay. I've come out a little hot on you this are, podcast. You are and very I do, hot today. Yeah, I apologize. So I completely agree with you. I believe he set the rookie record for completion percentage and either I think you might be game. right yes, I, think yes. Might be right. I don't remember the exact stat but that is the epitome of, of mac jones he is not and maybe will not ever be spectacular in the way that patrick mahomes or mm-hmm. lamar jackson or kyler murray or even josh allen is spectacular he just fits the system so well and actually i'm gonna spread it to i truly do believe that he can fit in any system and obviously he's never going to be a a mobile runner out of the pocket Mm -hmm. so doesn't need to be in the raven system right my my point is i don't think this is just because of belichick Mm -hmm. (laughs) the people that are having the same exact debates about brady versus belichick that they are going to have about jones without belichick let's stop that now because mac jones would be successful anywhere he went the bottom line is the team the team and the roster has built around Mac Jones. And now both are shining because you could have this whole, this whole talk about how good the Patriots are and how they might be the best team in the AFC and just talk about Mac Jones. And I think that'd be valid, but I, what I want to talk about is their defense because I think far and far and away, the reason why they've been so successful recently is because of how locked down their defense has been. They've allowed just 13 points in their past three games and zero points in their past seven quarters. And a big part of that was because they shut out the Falcons on Thursday night. So that helps. But talk about a test. They've got the Titans, the Bills, and the Colts and mm-hmm. the Bills coming up. So I'm not ready to crown New England the 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 crown of the AFC or the top, the king of the AFC, however you want to put it. But I do think that they are in a prime position to prove just how good they are. Yeah, so I am not either with kind of like top of the AFC. But as I said, I am now <laughs> in a much different position there than I was at the beginning of the season where I did not buy into this team. I do buy into this team as a playoff team now. And, you know, you nailed it going to defense. Well, Mac Jones has been awesome and a really fun story i mean the impact that matt judon has made 10 and a half sacks mm-hmm. is you know kind of crazy kyle duggar a player that a lot of people you know kind of insulted when the patriots took him pretty high has been really good this season for them jc jackson of course with all the interceptions uh, and then the return of kyle van noy because of yep. course as soon as he comes back to new england he starts playing like the kyle van noy the dolphins thought they were getting um it's I'm very impressed. Yes. I think a lot of it does come down to bill Belichick, but the, this team has been much better than I thought. That's the simplest way to put it. Yeah. And it's just funny that you said it. And I know other people are thinking this too. 
you said Mac, jo- Mac Jones was a fun story. And he's genuinely been one of the most accurate, efficient passers in the NFL. It's just, it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around it. And by people, I mean you, Pat. Come on, give him some credit. He's leading this team. I, I understand, yes, their run game has been exponentially better. Yes, their defense has been so good. And I said that. But the reason why the Patriots are putting wins on the board is because Mac Jones is as good as he is. Sorry, I just got over choking. Um, oh, no. No, we're good. We're good. Thank God for the mute button. Um, but no, you're right. Jones has been more than advertised. And I can hear my voice is completely gone. So this is fun. So I'm going to tee it up to you for next. All right. We're going to go to we're going to stay in the AFC and we're going to stay in the AFC East. More specifically, we're going to talk about the Bills. And I know you have a lot to say with them. I guess I will start. Yeah, definitely. So they struggle. They lose to Jacksonville. They get back on track against the Jets. That was their quote unquote bye week. That wasn't actually a bye week. And then they play the Colts, who have been arguably, actually, I'm not sure if that's fair, but I was going to say arguably the most inconsistent team in the NFL. They've been more even as of late, but just a team that you can't quite pin. You don't quite know what their ceiling or their floor is. And the Colts go to Buffalo and win 41 to 15. I walk away from this thinking, what the hell is wrong with the Bills? It it was shocking. It it really was. um, I actually don't think you're that far off when you talk about the Colts and their inconsistency, it's so frustrating with this Colts team. If we start with them, you look up and down this roster and they're built so well, and there's so much talent and yet they're just not able to put it all together week in and week out. And then they come out on the road at orchard park and blow the doors off of the Buffalo bills. Yeah. Where Carson Wentz doesn't have a turnover against one of the top ranked defenses, you know, in the entire league. Jonathan Taylor, who 100% deserves MVP votes, by the way, I don't care where the Colts are, you know, in the playoff race, there is no quarterback out there for one of these top teams that is putting up, you know, mind numbing numbers. The, The one you'd look at is Tom Brady, but I think Taylor should be in the conversation for it. And look what he just goes out there and scores five touchdowns. So if you want to look at Indianapolis, you know, trust or not trust, I think it's a dangerous path if you pick either of those options (laughs) for them. Yeah. Go ahead. You can finish your point. No, I was going to say, I'm starting to go back in towards the trust, Mm -hmm. but then we know Carson Wentz has the ability to throw the pick six that he did a couple weeks ago, where he just tosses it into a defender's hands, literally in the end zone. Um, But there's just so much talent on this roster. I like Frank Reich so much that I go that way. And that is me completely avoiding the Buffalo Bills, who your whole point was about. Yeah, Um, that was a very subtle twist there. I kind of like it, though. Thank you. It's more of me trying to buy time for my voice to try and come back after choking on my water. Well, well, I'll talk about the Colts before we go to the Bills. Thank you. (laughs) So the dangerous thing about saying that you trust them is that they've won five of their last six. That's great. That's really Mm -hmm. good. The, The Titans as we will very soon talk about, might be on the dangerous edge of a cliff, leaning over. And then as soon as you think things are going well in Indy, Carson Wentz implodes. Yep. And the line implodes. And all of a sudden, none of their pass rushers can be effective. I'm actually going to say, no, I can't. I was going to say I'm going to, I I trust the Colts, but I can't. I can't. I am indifferent about the Colts. I am not going to go as far as to say I don't trust them, but I cannot fully trust them because I don't want to get hurt. And I think- the Colts are more likely to hurt me than they are to not. That being said, Carson Wentz has three 
interceptions this season. Three, three interceptions. Only Kirk Cousins has fewer among all qualified quarterbacks, all quarterbacks who have played meaningful minutes this season. Carson Wentz has the second fewest interceptions. And I think that turnaround is not being talked about enough. As inconsistent as the Colts are, Carson Wentz has gotten rid of the reason, the bona fide reason why the Eagles traded away, traded him away because he was horrible at decision making in the pocket. Yep. And he's nowhere near perfect right now, as we've seen by that pick six that actually turned out to be very brilliant. <laughs> it was. Why the Colts were able to stay in that game and force it to overtime. But that's all. That's all to say that I can't fully trust them. But I no. also think they have the talent to make some crazy things happen, and it's exactly what they're doing. No, I, I understand. And then if if I look at the Bills, I still trust the Bills because I do think that they, when they are right, they are the class of the AFC for me. But it's they have had such a weird year, and that pretty much from the get go, you can figure out if they're on or they're off that week. They've had bad losses to Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, and now a blowout to Indy. Every single win they've had has been a blowout, mm. um, which is just you know crazy to think about. I do think you saw the Bills kind of were one of their big weaknesses, kind of a big weakness here. They there's no commitment and sometimes a, a real lack of being able to run the ball. I mean, they had 13 carries as a team. Two of them were by Josh Allen, so 11 rushing attempts throughout that entire game. Now, listen, I understand they fell behind early. Of course, you're going to get an even more pass-happy than the Bills normally are, and that's usually pretty pass-happy. But the struggle to run the ball that they have, I mean, just comparing it to Indy is not fair, who had 46 rushing attempts, (laughs) but that's more because Jonathan Taylor could not be stopped. Um, I do think it's concerning, especially like say, you know, they finally do play a close game that they win. Do they have the ability to run down the clock and, you know, be able to, to do time management? And we haven't really been able to see that because there's just been no commitment to running. I mean, the leading rusher was Matt Breida with five carries. Yeah. And the fact that actually you said they had 13 carries and Josh Allen had two, I was expecting mm-hmm. that to be about seven or eight. I, I think that's fair because they usually they, do that. Exactly. There are many times when Josh Allen is the leading rusher on this team. It's so funny. I, I agree with everything you said, except the point when you said when the Bills are at their best, they can be the best team in the AFC. When have we seen the Bills be their best against a quality opponent? And that's fair because it's been Dolphins, Washington, Kansas City is nice. And I think we're starting to see Kansas City come back. So that win's looking a little better, but the Dolphins again and the Jets. So it is a very fair point to further that their next couple games are at New Orleans versus New England at Tampa Bay. And they need it. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it is time for the Bills to start playing some real opponents I will stand by this point, any team, because a lot of team have has rushing issues. A lot of top teams have rushing issues. The, the Titans, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs. If the Bills cannot establish a run game, they will not make it deep into the playoffs. It's dangerous. Because, because that defense, well, well, first, the offense, if it's not clicking the way it has, and Josh Allen, it's so funny that you said you can tell right from the start. That is so bad. Yeah, it <laughs> is. is. such a bad quality for this team to have based on how talented Josh Allen can be, but also you're putting too much pressure on the defense and the bills are supposed to have one of the best defensive units in the league. And this is the same conversation we were having about the chiefs a couple of weeks ago. You can't have the defense be on the field for that long and expect them to make stops when they need to. There just isn't enough energy. And on the offensive end, they haven't been nearly as explosive as they've Mm -hmm. been in the past. So 
I think the Bills are in the bad spot. I, I, I'm going to give such a weak answer again. I need to wait one more week before I okay. decide whether I can trust them. Because right now I would lean towards I do, but I need to see how they do against a bad opponent. Otherwise, I might not trust them. And I did not expect to say that about the Bills at any point sure. in the season. I didn't expect the Patriots to be nearly as no. close as they are right now. No, I didn't either. So I, I think the Bills are going to go out there and, and beat beat the saints pretty handily next week okay. in New Orleans. So I think that's going to be a big bounce back game for them. But if the warts show again, if they can't run the ball again, which they might not be able to, because I believe New Orleans has the number one ranked rush defense, you know, <laughs> things can get real interesting real quick, especially as the Patriots continue to win. Yeah. The saints are still winning games. Yeah. Right? The saints they, are in have, games. They have Trevor Semyon, but they have one of the best defenses in the league. You would just think about what Jameis Winston could have elevated this team to because they really are still there. They're still fighting for the South. They are. Nobody expected that. That's your Thanksgiving night game, by the way. Yeah, I'm excited. I think Bill's Saints is a good game, and I think that's kind of embarrassing for the Bills, but the Saints can make things happen. I don't know if Kamara is set to play. Do you know? I'm not sure yet. It's tough off coming off the short week. That's for sure. Uh, But thank God we have that game after watching uh, Lions Bears (laughs) earlier in the day. Everyone will just sleep through that game. Just eat through that game, and then you've got Bills. Yes, early, early lunch, dinner, whatever. Because unfortunately, that's the uh, that's the early one. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you've got the Saints Bills at night. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go to the Chiefs because we talked about them and. They came away with, this was the game I was most excited for. It seems like every single time I say that, the game is never good at all. (laughs) The Chiefs won 19 to 9. If you had told me the Chiefs would score 19 points, I would have told you Dallas would be crushing them. Yep. And instead, they couldn't even put a touchdown up on the board. I believe in the Chiefs. And I believed in them before this game. I believed in them before I thought they would win that game against Dallas, who's one of the best teams in the NFC. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs defense limited a Cowboys offense led by Prescott, who is probably in the MVP conversation. Maybe yeah, I think you can put him around there. Around there, yeah. That Cowboys offense entered week 11, leading the league in scoring, and the only team in the league in the top five in rushing and passing. We've talked about a lot of offensive issues so far. The Cowboys have none. Yeah. And the Chiefs were able to exploit some of those weaknesses we didn't even think they had. That being said, Amari Cooper was out. Tyron Smith was out. C.D. Lamb left halfway through the game. They've got some injuries that they have to sort mm-hmm. through. This was obviously not a 100% healthy Cowboys team, but I still do believe that fully healthy, the Chiefs are the better team, and that's why I still trust the Chiefs. Yeah, so you could ask me about either of these teams, and I would say trust yeah, at this we point. we could talk about both, yeah. Yeah, I think Dallas is still in very good shape, even though they looked very poor you know, this on Sunday, uh, to your point, you know, injuries were definitely part of it. Amari Cooper being out, I think I'm not sure as many people know how big that is, especially for Dak Prescott. I believe he's got more than double the amount of touchdowns to Amari Cooper than anyone else since Cooper came over to the Cowboys. So he really is his favorite target there. Yes. CD lamb also got injured later in that game. And no, the chiefs offense did not look great. Patrick Mahomes put up a sub 50 QBR. didn't throw a touchdown pass, but I think adding, Clyde Edwards Alaire back to the offense was really nice to be able to add a little bit more stability coming back from injury. No, he's not, you know, a real bell cow type of running back, but they're able to switch things up with him, get him involved. You know, he's good receiving out of the backfield, things like that. Um, you know, I, I believe this chiefs team though, 
we did we got to a point where we were like are you actually concerned about them because they keep losing and they're not supposed to do this um they finally seem to have turned that corner that defense is really much much improved which i think has allowed patrick mahomes to calm down and he didn't even as we said didn't even have a good game on sunday the chiefs are going to be very very good and in an afc that we've yet to really see a team pull away you know we've mm-hmm. seen the titans try the bills try the patriots put themselves now into that conversation Kansas City is now right there at seven and four. Isn't so it watch just out. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> you think that the Chiefs, they they lull you to sleep and then all of a sudden they're back and they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clyde Edwards Alaire was huge, like you said. The defense is huge, like you said. Kelsey's back. Hill is back. The crazy thing about Mahomes, and I, I feel this way about a lot of teams too, when they come out with ugly wins, there's something to be said about an ugly win for a team that didn't ever know how to win ugly. I love that. Right there. They only win pretty. Yes. Their wins were only pretty. And the first time any sort of adversity came Patrick Mahomes' way, he, it, it collapsed. It was an epic collapse for the first six or seven, if not more weeks of this season. We, I was firmly concerned. I I think you felt the same way too. Mm -hmm. Firmly concerned firmly did not trust but there's just something in the back of your head that tells you that uh, of course he's going to come back and it might not be pretty he still might average the shortest yards per attempt of his entire career which is what he did on Sunday I find that impressive I find it impressive that Patrick Mahomes continues to find ways to get things done against a very competent Dallas defense which is which it has continued to show all season long that's another reason why I trust Dallas but Patrick Mahomes is the key. It has, it's always been the key when yeah. he straightens himself out. Then the defense looks better. It's the chicken of the egg, right? Is the mm. defense going to look better? Then Mahomes plays better. Or when Mahomes start playing better, that's just when the chiefs look better, period. Can we say that it's scary that the chiefs are sitting there at seven and four and oh, this yes. is the worst we've seen Patrick Mahomes. Look? Oh yes. <laughs> like just, just think about what happens if you get the normal Patrick Mahomes. I mean, his QBR is way lower than it. I mean, his worst QBR to date was his rookie season, which was a 68, which is, or yeah, 68, which is still not bad. He's at a 57 right now. So just to think of what Mahomes can be, if he even elevates to his rookie year level of, uh, of how he played the position and yet still the chiefs are sitting there three games over 500. It shows why, you know, we talk about who is the class of the AFC. I'm not quite sure who the class of the AFC is right now. If Kansas city is able to kick it in gear, they are certainly the class of the AFC. I'm going to say it. I think they're there now. Do you really? I, would, I don't I think they're just... there yet. Cause he hasn't, he hasn't been the Mahomes that we expect yet. I just think he's crossing that bridge and next week, I would take the Chiefs over the Titans, the Bills, and the Patriots. Who would you take over the Chiefs in the AFC? The Bills? Uh, I lean the Bills, yes. I still have faith in them, but they got to show me something coming up, to your point. This is why the season has been so good, because two weeks ago, we would have said Titans firmly. Yes, Titans have no weaknesses. Even a couple of weeks ago, Bills, when they're back, Bills are the best team in the league. People are saying now Patriots are the best team in the league. The Chiefs are just going to, they're going to continue to lull people to sleep. And I think they're going to, all of a sudden they're going to be what, 10 and four. And they're going to have gone on a six or seven game win streak. And we'll all just be cursing the Chiefs. And and it's Andy Reid and it's the dynasty they've built. All of these coaches are so good and they know their personnel so well. And it's, 
it's just so impressive to watch. And they've done it with defense in those yep. four games that they've won so far, 17 points allowed, 7, 14, and 9. That Good is point. not something you've said about the Kansas City Chiefs the last couple of years, to your point about winning ugly. Yeah, and, and they've been against quality offenses mm-hmm. too, which is which is really impressive. And thank then quickly, you for I- counting the Giants in the quality offense. <laughs> I appreciate it. I gotta I gotta, you know, give the people what they want. <laughs> the, the Cowboys quickly never in a million years did I think I would have to say this. This is actually another compliment to you too. They don't have a particularly tough schedule left, mm-hmm. but the NFC East is slowly getting better. It is. And again, I don't think the Cowboys can waltz into a game against Philadelphia and expect to whoop them because I think Philly's kind of good. And I don't think they could play Washington and expect Tyler Taylor Heineke to not play well because he's playing pretty well. And Montez Sweat is coming back soon and Terry McLaurin's back. So there are a lot of moving parts in the division that we thought the Cowboys had locked up about four weeks ago. The Cowboys are showing some cracks and the NFC East is getting stronger. Yeah. I still think Dallas is your NFC East favorite here, but they have three NFC East road games to go on before the yeah. end of the season. And that's, that's not an easy task at Washington, at New York and at Philly, especially at Philly, as you said, to close as the Eagles have gotten better and better throughout the season. So, you know, I, I don't think things are as locked up as we initially thought for Dallas though, when it's all said and done, I do believe they will be your team coming out of the East. Yep. I feel the exact same way, but I would love if, other, if those other teams in the NFC East could make things interesting, yes. as I'm sure you could attest to. <laughs> it starts tonight, but it won't. <laughs> all right, let's do a few more. Do you mm-hmm. have one that you want to talk about? Yeah, it's it's one we kind of touched on a little bit. It's Tennessee Titans, because yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we talk about shocking results that would definitely be up towards the top of the list with the Titans dropping the game to the Houston Texans, you know, over the weekend. And more so than that, they did it at home, which is really, really surprising. Uh, I think what also adds in it, you know, they were the hottest team in football, six straight wins had won eight out of their last nine, still winning, even with Derrick Henry on the shelf. It was a very uncharacteristic Titans game. Uh, you know, they fell behind early and, and that really forced the game plan to change. Just as like we talked about with the bills, I still trust the Titans. They are a different football team without Derrick Henry. Of course, it's not groundbreaking analysis there, but what I think is really interesting to look at is when you go to Ryan Tannehill, look at the attempts. Mm. He, he had 52 passing attempts on Sunday. That is just not the formula for Tennessee to win. His second most uh, passing attempts this season was 49. That was also in a loss. That was their loss to the Jets. The most passing attempts he's had in a win is 40. In most of their wins, he's usually in the lower to mid-30s. So you can see that just how different things seem to go and how the Titans are doing, you know, is usually has some sort of relationship with the amount of attempts that Tannehill has. So add in the five turnovers as well, and it certainly led for some very ugly football for Tennessee, though they had a chance to win this game at the end anyway, which I think might tell you more about the Texans than it does the Titans. But I still trust them but I understand people saying, wow, this is a, a concerning loss. Because their losses have been against the Texans and the Jets. Yes. Yeah, like why crazy. couldn't they have just lost against the Vikings? Yeah. Be a normal team. The, Come the on Patriots. Now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was, that was incredibly well said by you. I love those numbers about Tannehill's passing attempts. I have a very simple question then. Mm-hmm. Do you trust Ryan Tannehill 
to take this team, to make this team a winning team that can go deep into the playoffs? Oh, isn't that the question? I think the Tennessee Titans are still trying to figure out. Uh, But you know what? I still lean yes. I think 52 attempts is a lot, and it's a lot to ask for for a guy not named, you know, Patrick Mahomes type to to be throwing. Ben that's his MO. (laughs) Exactly. Throwing between 50 and 60 times a, uh, a game. But I trust Tannehill enough that I think this was more of an outlier than what I would expect to see with all the turnovers that he uh, he was in the middle of. Interesting. I, I lean the same way. I, I do trust Tannehill. I think he's having a down season, but I still do believe he belongs in the top echelon of quarterbacks, especially this year. Mm-hmm. They've Tennessee as a whole has done a weirdly good job at masking the loss of Derrick Henry. They have. It's, it's, it's kind of weird to watch, honestly, because when he went down, I think the majority of people thought the season was just going to be over for mm-hmm. the Titans because in years prior, they've had issues on offense with Derrick Henry because all they could do with was run. And now all of a sudden they're faced with the reality of having to do everything but run because Adrian Peterson is their RB1. And the fact that it took them so long to get to the point where we're talking about it, where we're back to talking about their offensive issues is I think a really good thing. And it talks a lot about the Tennessee's offensive coordinator. And it talks a lot about Mike Vrabel. They just find ways to get the most of the, out of their personnel. AJ Brown left that game er, er, uh, early with a chest injury. Mm-hmm. Tannehill had all those turnovers to give Houston credit. Tyrod Taylor's really good. We've he talked is. about that before. I do think he is the best fringe quarterback that we've got. Fringe starter, I mm-hmm. mean. He came out flying. He's really mobile. He's versatile. I love what Taylor can do, and it makes you wonder if Houston might have had, I don't know, four wins if Taylor was able to play all of their games. That's fair. Bottom line, awful loss. It was just as awful to the Jets. I don't think this is anything close to what the to what the Titans are actually like but they do have some things that they need to fix. And that's how they're going to balance the pass game and the run game better. I understand the cause for pause after this game, but I think you also have to look at the bigger picture. And that, as I said, the team won six straight and eight out of nine, that this is probably a pretty good and pretty complete football team that just had an uncharacteristically very sloppy, you know, turnover infested game. And it just happened to come against one of the worst teams in the league. I'll end on this. I think it matters more than the tight that the Titans beat the Bills and the Chiefs than it does that they lost to the Texans. They're seven and zero against playoff teams from last year, and they there just so happen to have lost to the Jets and the Texans. It's weird. I'll give you it that. It is weird. But I put more stock in their wins than their losses. It is weird. I'll give you that. <laughs> what a weird, like my God, what a weird thing. And the Bills lost to the Jaguars. I just every week there's one of those games. It's so odd. That was still the worst loss of the season for me was the, the Jaguars game. Yeah, I know uh, Red Zone was talking that this was the worst one with Tennessee and Houston. I, I think it was that Bills lost to the Jaguars, but I'm yeah. sure that can be debated too. <laughs> for another time, another yes. podcast, we'll talk about the worst losses of the season. Yeah, pretty much. Do you want to hit one more? <laughs> yeah, um, I'll give you some options and you can pick which one, actually. We could talk about the Sunday Night Football game, Chargers-Steelers. Mm-hmm. And then I was, I I wanted to maybe say something about either the Ravens or the Bengals. So which one are you feeling? I would say, you know, go with whichever one you're more excited about because I could talk about either of them. All right, let's do, let's do Chargers Steelers. We can talk about both of these teams. I trust the Chargers 
And it's because of how poised Justin Herbert and honestly, Brandon Staley mm-hmm. can be in game winning drives. The difference, the progression this team has made from last year when Justin Herbert was just ridiculously good, but the rest of the roster wasn't there. So they lost almost every single game that he played to this year where the roster has gotten better. Herbert has gotten better and Staley was better than Anthony Lynn. Mm -hmm. All of these things have gotten better. And that's why the chargers are literally turning losses from last year into wins. The chargers of last year would have lost this game. Not even close. The Steelers might have won it in the third quarter. I thought the Steelers actually looked good at the end of the game. I thought this was a pretty vintage Roethlisberger performance, but the chargers are better. I think they can still challenge the chiefs in the AFC West. It's taking them longer to get into their rhythm, into their rhythm than I thought. And that might hurt them saying how I think the chiefs are going to get a lot of momentum late, but man, the the chargers are not a team that I want to face at any point in the rest of the season. The chargers are a playoff team. Uh, I, I think, yes, the, I guess the that's chief, the easiest way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the chiefs, you know, will be your, your first place team here in the AFC West, but you know, looking at their losses and we'll take out the game where they completely laid an egg against Baltimore and got blown out. They lost to Dallas by three, new England by three and the Vikings on a, a, a late touchdown to lose by seven. So even in their losses, you know, they've been right in it. They've played a lot of close wins as well, where what five out of their six wins have been one possession game. So basically every game the Chargers have played this year has been pretty close, um, which is, you know, pretty crazy to your point, really impressed by Herbert yesterday, first Sunday night start. And he came out and balled out just as Justin Herbert does, you know, 37 points for the Steelers too is impressive for an offense that I know I have certainly doubted all season long going on the road. I, I thought they looked better than I thought they were going to. But for me, if you're asking me, you know, what team am I excited about leaving this game? The Chargers are dangerous and I would not want to play them either because this isn't rocket science. We know the NFL is all about finding your quarterback. Mm-hmm. The Chargers 100% found their quarterback. Yeah, that's a great point. That's always my favorite point to talk about too. And that's why this year has been so weird because usually there's so much disparity and that disparity comes from who has a good quarterback and whose quarterback is worse. And that team usually wins the game. And this year you're not, you're not seeing that Eckler was phenomenal just on the Steelers. I, I've given you a lot of crap about them all season, you know, I'm <laughs> with you, but the fact that they put up 37 was impressive they still just can't get over the hump. That is the entire AFC North. That's kind of how I feel about all the Mm -hmm. teams in the AFC North. I think the Ravens would have bounced back. They got the win, obviously, but I think they would have bounced back in full fashion if Lamar Jackson was back. And maybe that would have put confidence back in them. Maybe then we would be talking about a clear one seed in the AFC, which would be the Ravens. But even then, how could you say the Ravens are the one seed when they're playing with a third string running back? So that's the AFC North. I think it's just... Honestly, such a wacko division that I my, my thoughts change about it every single week. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, then you get this out of Ben Roethlisberger and you think, oh my God, why can't the Steelers win the division? But we'll stick with the Chargers. I do trust the Chargers. This is a time when they also have to beat up on lesser opponents. And that's another one of their weaknesses from last year. They couldn't beat bad teams this year. They have to beat bad teams. They also have to continue to get consistent because they haven't won two in a row since October 10th. They've got to start stringing wins together Yeah. because right now, are they in the playoffs right now? Are they 
Are they are just outside. I can't remember I if they're in. I believe they're in, but I don't have that in front of me. Maybe they're the seventh seed, seventh the eighth seed. But no matter what, they've got to start stringing wins together. Bottom yeah. line. No, they certainly do. And and quite simply to to go back to last week on the AFC North, uh, they're all in the same boat. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Every we... time I hear that song now, I think of you. Yes, I'm glad. Uh, the Chargers have the sixth seed right now. Six? Yeah, that's better than I thought. Okay. They, they have hopped the Buffalo Bills. Oh, my God. Watch All it. All right, well, that, that says much more about the Bills than it does about the Chargers. <laughs> I would say so, but no, I'm, I'm with you. All right, should we go to our numbers? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm actually keeping it in football, and I'm talking about a team and a player that we mentioned, but we didn't talk about in depth, and it is... Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. And the craziest number I heard this week is 75 because that is the quarterback rating of Jalen Hurts over the last five weeks, Pat. Over the last five weeks, Jalen Hurts is the number one ranked QB Mm, in the NFL. So impressed. We talked at the beginning of the season. Really, people have been talking since he's been drafted, since he's been drafted, if he was a stopgap player. If he could come in, this was obviously while Carson Wentz was still the starter. If he could be Carson Wentz's backup, Carson Wentz left, could he just be the guy that bridged the gap until 2022 when the Eagles have three first-round picks? I'm going to say it now. Jalen Hurts could be the the quarterback of Philadelphia's future. I do not think they need to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback. And that might not be saying that much because it's obviously not a a great quarterback class. But mm-hmm. I do think that the Eagles can win in the future with Jalen Hurts. And it is because of how good he is in the run game, how much of a wrinkle he throws into an opposing defense's plans, because just as good of a runner he is, he really can chuck the ball down the field and make a lot of magic happen. Him and Devontae Smith is one of the best tandems in the league. And he's tr- he's truly been a joy to watch. The Eagles have been fun to watch lately, and I hope they can make some some madness happened in the NFC East because I wouldn't be surprised. The Eagles have talent and, and the best part about it is that this is their bridge year. They're playing with house money. They weren't supposed to do anything this year after Carson Wentz. They're just waiting until all of their first round picks come along. It always seems like that's when teams actually make things happen. Hmm. Right. I love that trend. No, it's so interesting. So I'll be the first to say I did not believe in Jalen Hurts. You know, I, I watched him last year and I, I wasn't exactly impressed. I think we've watched the first you know couple games of this year and I wasn't exactly blown away. But what I've seen from Jalen Hurts over the last couple of weeks, it, it's been so different. It, there's a different poise, I'll say, kind of to him in the pocket. It, it, there's a comfort level that I think has started to develop. You know, the completion percentage has certainly gone up, though it was not good. You know, uh, on Sunday, it's been much better over the past couple games. Um, of course, we know what he can do with his legs as well. I don't know if he's the quarterback of the future in Philly. I think mm. it's tough especially the fact they are going to have three first round picks. I actually think that that makes them more likely to take a quarterback because you can still use two other ones to, to address needs elsewhere. But all that said this, I thought this decision was going to be a no brainer for the Eagles come the end of the season. He has made it definitely not a no brainer. So, you know, hats off to him. Interesting. Do you think 
the Eagles would ever be in a position where they package those picks for a Wilson or a Rogers. Russell Wilson is going to one out at the end yeah. of the season. I mean, think about it. He requested what he requested a trade at the end of last season when they had a winning record. So just <laughs> imagine how things are going to go now with this disaster of a season yep. that they're having. So I, I actually do think Russell Wilson is going to be moved this off season. It's just where. Yeah. And the, you could, you could say that the Eagles are in a position where they could win with him. They've got the capital to, yep. to be able to go after him. And that is exactly where they hope to be. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see the, the way the Eagles have, have turned themselves around. And it definitely hasn't been great since that Super Bowl, but they have a future. And not not every team can say that. Looks they have like a plan it. and they have a future. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to stay in Philadelphia with my stuff, but I'm going to go with baseball. And so you know where that's going. And my number is 139. And that is the amount of outs that Zach Wheeler recorded more than Corbin Burns. And Corbin Burns, of course, won your National League Cy Young last week. You losing sleep over this past I'm real. I was annoyed when, when this came out. Um, you know, I listen, Corbin Burns had a historic year. You look at the stats, he he had such he put up such great numbers in so many different categories, but innings matter. And and Jeff Passon put it perfectly in his tweet. And I am a nerd and I am, you know, I, I look in all the advanced analytics and all that. Jeff Passan tweeted, the greatest trick the nerds ever played was convincing people that innings don't matter. Mm. And, and it's he's so right, because to have a guy that you can throw out there to be a workhorse, to go six, seven innings, to save your bullpen, to go three or four times through the order, it is so valuable. And listen, we went through the stats you know, recently where I talked about Zach Wheeler's ERA was actually lower than everyone inside Young Award contention if you took out those extra innings when he pitched in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, all of that, Zach Wheeler should be your National League Cy Young. And I was very disappointed when Corbin Burns won it, despite the fantastic, phenomenal year that Burns did have. You started hot and you're ending hot. I can tell you're all riled up again talking about Wheeler. Yeah, I I am a little fired (laughs) up about Wheeler not getting it. Yeah, it's so much less about Corbin Burns and all of the other candidates, the the Scherzers and the Buellers. I I, I will die on that hill that... Walker Bueller should have been a candidate for this award. I completely agree with you. I actually think it's it's a uh, disgraceful might be a little harsh. Wow, I was going to say you think I came out hot. <laughs> that that is it's so wrong. It's just wrong. Zach Wheeler was the most valuable player I was going to say on the Phillies, but I don't know if I could finish Ooh, that. Wow, sentence. that that could have been something. That would have been something because Bryce Harper won the MVP. I'll, I'll, if, if Zach Wheeler isn't on the Phillies and just Bryce Harper is, I don't think that team makes it as far as they do. No they chance. Didn't, they didn't make no it to the playoffs, but, and vice versa, Bryce Harper, same way. Obviously the Phillies don't win without Bryce Harper, but when you think about his body of work, that is always what it comes down to. It's the workhorse and the body of work. You say those amazing stats about how good his numbers actually were in the innings frame that Corbin Burns have had. The bottom line is Zach Wheeler doesn't get to pick what team he pitches for. He doesn't get to pick pitching into the seventh and eighth inning. He doesn't get to choose that his bullpen sucks and that his hitters couldn't hit and that his Mm -hmm. team couldn't win and his team couldn't close after he left the game. Zach Wheeler kept the Phillies in the game every single time he pitched. And I think that stuff I was going to say unquantifiable, but that's not even true because when you look at the innings number and you see how many more outs he recorded, that matters more to me than how many strikeouts Corbin Burns had. It just Mm -hmm. does. 
And Zach Wheeler had that other fancy stuff, but he was the more valuable pitcher because he was out there more. And I agree with you. I don't know why we're, we've gone away from that. Pitchers should be pitching longer into games. And Zach Wheeler, it's like this lost art. And even now we're still not appreciating the art that we're not even going to have anymore. Innings matter. They really do. So uh, for me, Zach Wheeler with the quantity that we got of a guy being a workhorse should have been your NL Cy Young. All the other awards I can live with um, the Wheeler, the Burns over Wheeler hurt a little bit. Yeah, I feel the same way. And Wheeler got MVP votes and I was happy about it. Deserved it. I don't know when the last time I was happy that a pitcher got MVP. <laughs> Wheeler genuinely deserved MVP votes. Certainly. Wow. Yeah. That that was a good episode. I feel like we we, uh, we aired out some laundry there in a good way. Yeah, I, I apologize for all the frustration I took out on NFL teams today. Um, but I, I couldn't some of them help myself. It. Yeah, some I of them deserved it. And I apologize for my voice just completely going um, midway through the episode. So hopefully and most of it's regained. But you woo, roll with the punches. We, we got to. So I hope you guys all enjoyed my distorted voice. But <laughs> that'll do it for the Did You Hear podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes to leave a rating as well and follow us on twitter and instagram at did you hear pod we hope everyone has a fantastic thanksgiving and we will talk to you next week emma that's a wrap